Hey, y'all. Have you ever heard of Old Gods of Appalachia? Well, if you haven't, you have now. Let me tell you. This is a horror anthology podcast, and it is absolutely amazing. They have characters. They have actors. They have different people doing voiceovers. It is so ridiculously dope. Y'all got to check this out. Um... I'm, I'm like, I'm enthralled. I'm, I I can't stop listening to it. This shit is crazy. And I got to tell you, all the actors are, they're straight, they're queer, they're black, they're of color, they're male, they're female, they're they, thems, they, thems. They just, this thing is so diverse, man. And, and there's, there's actually some poets involved with this that I actually admire. So this is a big deal. Y'all got to check out Old Gods of Appalachia wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hey, y'all. Your fam, Black Fluid Poet. Check it out. If you love this podcast, I want to thank you for favoriting the podcast because it means the world to me. However... The way I can get more advertisers is to have more subscribers. If advertisers um, see that um, I have a lot of subscribers, they will be more willing to give me opportunities to advertise for them. So in order for me to get these ads, I need to get to a decent amount of subscribers. So you come here to anchor.fm and you go to support and you can pick 99 cents, 4.99 or 9.99. Please feel free to pick 99 cents. I, I I am overjoyed at anyone who wants to support my dream of getting this podcast taking off. You know what I'm saying? So please just consider it. If I could get a thousand subscribers, I could get out of this poverty thing. You know what I'm saying? Because yo, the struggle is real. Y'all take care. Hey, y'all. It's your fam, Black Fluid Poet, coming to you live from my humble abode of books during this pandemic paradise. Whew. It has been a wild couple of days. Um, I'm trying to catch up because I was supposed to post one podcast a day, and I've missed the last five days because I'm slipping, y'all. Um, my executive function is not what it needs to be. Oh, I'm learning quite a lot about myself over these last couple of days. You know, being alone, I feel constantly overwhelmed. Being a people pleaser and someone who tends to give a lot more than they expect to receive. Um, and it's a choice. It's not a burden. Um, I enjoy it. I, I enjoy giving. I enjoy seeing people happy. And uh, I enjoy practicing love, you know, but I don't practice it enough with myself as I do with other people. I don't have the same forgiveness for other people that I have for myself. Um, I don't have the same charitable perspective. I don't have the same compassion. I'm very, very hard on myself. And when I'm not living with a partner or there's no children to speak of to take care of at this moment I don't feel as motivated um I seriously just 
I don't want to take care of myself. I'll take care of other people, no problem. But I neglect myself time and time again, and it needs to stop. And that's just a public notice. Um, Some other things I'm going to get out of the way real quick. I have a Patreon account, and I've been trying to do morning meditations on the Patreon account, just typing something to think about for the beginning of your day. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, feel free to go to patreon.com slash blackfluidpoet and check out the meditations, the things to think about when you start your day. Ah, that being said, the memoir is coming along. I want to let y'all know that that is happening. I thought I'd finish it before September got here, but it's... it's <laughs> Child, this book is work. You hear me? This book is work. Um, it has been an emotional roller coaster. Um, I have at times discovered, uh, taught myself things about myself from my writing. And at other times I've re-traumatized myself to a point of relapse. It's been a wild ride, y'all. It's been a really wild ride. Um, one of the things that, um, came up in the memoir that I feel is conducive to this discussion of masculinity is how oppressed I was by the people closest to me when it came to gender fluidity. In the, I knew I was a feminine when I was in grammar school. Um, I knew that there were times when I just felt girly. There's no other way to explain it. I just felt girly. And I was avoided by some kids like the plague because of it. Gender roles and the gender binary in our society is a serious thing to a lot of Americans. A very, very serious thing. And this is a systemic discipline and systemic um, policy that keeps capitalism going. And I, I told you I was going to talk about this capitalist thing. Okay, so one way to guarantee that a man was going to keep working was to tell him that he absolutely needed people in his house to support. He needed family. A man is nothing without family. A man is nothing without children and his legacy and, you know, his lineage. Um, and they do this because it'll keep him working for whatever they pay him because he's got to support these other people who are dependent on him. And when that started to break, when women started to go into the workforce, things began to change. The power structure began to change. A man not having a wife, not having children, choosing instead to be with another man, which meant no children at that time, which meant he wasn't as dependent on his job to support children. When a man and a woman worked, someone could quit their job and find a different job. And the powers that be were no longer in complete 
control. When, and this is this is the ironic thing, you know, because they talk about homosexuality in the church, but gender fluidity is nowhere in the Bible. <laughs> it's not a sin, <laughs> but people will be like, "I'm gonna pray for you. You need Jesus." Why? This is the freest I have ever felt. You know, when I was a teenager and these people were trying to tell me that there was something wrong with me, I believed them. I believed them until David Bowie, until Prince, until Michael Jackson, until all of these men that exuded femininity just as much as they did masculinity. And they were loved. They were loved by by society. Seen as eccentric, seen as as, um, prop. You know what I mean? Like they just put on this femininity as a prop. Never wanting to admit that that's who they really were. And I thought to myself, why is it that these people can do it, but if I did it, there's something wrong with me. Well, because you have to be famous. You have to be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You have to supersede the normal expectations of society. If you're wealthy and famous, it appears you're allowed to be eccentric and you're not really a part of the status quo. The one thing about Prince that I found most admirable, right, was how freely he wore eyeliner, heels, tight clothes, and still, still ogled by so many women. And one of the times I noticed how if you can beat the gender binary, you're unstoppable. I remember David Bowie in an MTV interview. And I remember him taking Mark Goodman. I think that was his name. He took Mark Goodman to task, put his feet to the fire about how racist MTV was at the time. And... I was I was shocked. I was like, why is this white dude even care? You know what I mean? It was the 80s. That this, this kind of discussions didn't happen unless it was Reverend Al Sharpton back then. And I took a step back. And I, I noticed that even Prince, a lot of these men who exuded femininity had so much courage in these other areas of life. David Bowie getting on MTV and having this unpopular opinion describing MTV as racist. I know now that since I've accepted my gender fluidity in the last two years, once you confront society as a gender fluid individual, nothing scares you anymore. (laughs) When you accept the fact in the morning as you're putting on a long skirt as you're putting on your eyeshadow and your long earrings and you paint your nails and you go outside, when you accept the fact that this could be your last day on earth because of how you look, 
nothing else scares you. My walking to the corner store is looking death in the face every day. My leaving my house to check the mail is looking death in the face every day. When you look at Texas and you look at Florida and you look at all these states who are trying to pass things like the don't say gay bill, they're trying to take anything having to do with uh, transgender history. We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about anybody queer throughout American history. Everybody has known that there's been queer people around since the beginning of time. It's always been here, always, always, always been here. But it wasn't until the AIDS crisis that queer people had to come out. And when they came out and then legalized gay marriage, then legalized queer people in the military, made uh, safety precautions for transgender soldiers. Now... um, There's this pushback. We want you to go back in the closet. We don't want this public. We don't want to have to talk about it. And it doesn't matter. I don't care if my existence makes you uncomfortable anymore. I don't care. I don't care that it bothers you your jokes, your hateful remarks, none of it matters anymore. I am not going back to the closet. Not doing it. So you're going to have to get over it. And if you don't want to talk about it, don't. But you're not going to talk to me either. Yesterday in my live, someone said, Bullets have gotten a lot more expensive, but it would be worth it this one time. Said that to me in my life. Now, of course, of course, it was a profile with user 318765, whatever. And it was somebody with no picture. And so at this moment, I I, I pride myself on keeping my lives a safe space. And normally, all I would do is just block that person. But I leaned into my camera and I said, I'll tell you what, you make a video using your face and put your real name on your profile and you say this out loud or even DM me, I will give you my address, fuck around and find out. Then I blocked them. And then I had to end my live because I feel like they won. Again. Masculinity, for me, is a path towards power. Femininity is a path towards peace. And at that moment, I was taking, I was taken out of my peaceful path. And my ego took over and the aggression came back. And this is something that I have been, y'all just have no idea, I've been fighting, fighting this aggression thing. Um... Because I come from such a violent family and I look back on my marriage and how many times I was yelling at the top of my lungs and I'm like, there's got to be a better way to live. There's just got to be a better way to live. So in this last couple of years that I've been alone and, you know, practicing my femininity and walking outside 
looking quite feminine, feeling freer than I've ever felt in my life. I wasn't going to let that comment fester. I wasn't going to let it sit in my head to be anxious, to stop wearing makeup, to, to stop wearing my skirts, to stop doing my nails because somebody might be outside ready to shoot me. I can't live that way. And I used to wonder, you know, when I hear people, you know, threats against people and I'm like, how do they get up and go to work the next day? How do they fucking go? Because you got to live. And I was like, that's just, man, if people are trying to kill me, I'm moving. And that's what I used to always say. But here I am not moving. Here I am saying, I will give you my address because you know what? Fuck it. Fuck it. I'm going to die in this skirt and makeup and nails. That's, that's how it's going to be. Um, I refuse to live any less of a life because my existence is unpopular to many. I'm not going to stop living. I have finally, after 50 years on this earth, found pieces of myself that I've been looking for for decades. And I'm I'm not about to shove them in a drawer because some MAGA fan um, suggests you know, emptying a clip in my chest. I think of the courage. I think of the courage it must have taken people in the 70s, in the 60s, in the 50s, who dressed according to another gender, faced arrest, faced assault, faced sexual assault in jail by police, because of how they existed in the world. There are people, I I still can't wrap my head around the fact that there are people who want to kill me just because I dress in a feminine manner. That's how serious capitalism has made the gender binary. It was so important for the church, for the government, for the free market system to control the average American family that they stress to them. The women stay home. The men go to work. You raise children. That's the American way. And that's the make America great again idea. It is completely capitalist. It is how they broke the citizenry. This is how it's gotten to a point to where protests are saturating the streets and, and they just don't affect people the way they used to. It doesn't matter what happens in society. Capitalists need us to toe the line to keep them wealthy. And if education is causing us to rethink about the gender binary, if education is causing us to take a look at critical race theory, if education is causing us to look at how knotted, how absolutely knotted our system is, how many different kinds of of tangles need to be detangled 
then the capitalists will now remove the school system. If education is changing the way we look at gender, well, then we're just going to have to get rid of education. So we make all these ridiculous laws. Teachers start getting frustrated. They're not getting paid enough. And I don't know when it happened, but when I went to school, all you needed to do was buy a notebook and a pencil and a couple of pens. I don't know when it happened that teachers suddenly had to buy all their own supplies and force students and families to bring in some of those supplies as well. But it says a lot about what little money is going into the public educational system. And we've done this before. Carol Anderson in her book, White Rage, talks about how um, when it came time to treat uh, black public school students (coughs) equal to white public school students, Prince Edward, Virginia, decided to shut down their entire school system for five years. However, while they had shut down the private school system, they offered taxpayers these vouchers to private all-white schools. And it's ironic that now that we're all challenging the public education system and we're all fighting Uh, for teachers to get better salary. We're all fighting to keep our schools open. We're all fighting to make schools more fair, to change the school-to-prison pipeline. Now, all of a sudden, Republicans are talking about vouchers, and they're talking about shutting down the public education system completely. And, you know, they were... uh, Remember, DeVos was, was, you know, trying to give uh, public funding to private Catholic schools, um... I don't know, I don't know why people who don't go to church, aren't very religious, aren't really concerned with politics in general, will still be enraged when they see me walking into an establishment, walking down the street, sitting in front of my house. It upsets them because we have been trained to see through the patriarchy that being a white-appearing, male-appearing person is the best thing to be in this country. You are at the top of the food chain. You are the apex predator. And for some people, namely white men, to see me, um, you know, throw on this femininity It insults their masculinity. It insults their ego. And it is a threat to white men having full control of this country. To show that I can still be feminine and still be powerful, still be feminine and still be brilliant, still be feminine and still be charming, still be feminine and still be absolutely motherfucking hilarious, threatens, threatens the very foundation of capitalism. Every day that I come home safe, looking feminine, it is another nail in the coffin of the patriarchy. Every day that I find a woman who is supportive of my femininity and still finds herself attracted to me, the patriarchy is threatened. 
so what do they do? They try to cancel me in schools. They try to cancel my existence in sermons at churches. They try to get me put out of the military. They try to, you know, we, we can't let this happen. There is a book called um, Arresting Dress. And they talk about the um, development of San Francisco and how they fought really hard to keep men in line with getting a wife, with having children, with buying a house. Because as long as they were doing that, they had to keep mining. They had to keep mining. I'm not, I'm not mining anymore for the United States. I am not putting on my blinders and towing the line just to be happy. Because let me tell you, I would be a happier person, maybe, maybe, if I just ignored these urges about femininity. I would be happier, maybe, if I was to ignore racism in society, just go to work, bring home my pay, go to the mall, buy some shit, go to a restaurant, eat some shit, come home, watch TV, something entertaining, nothing political, and just minded my fucking business. I might, after years of doing it and the denial setting in, I might actually feel happy. But see, I tried that. And I ended up using drugs for a long time. And I really believe that part of my motives behind using drugs was feeling so wrong every day just for breathing, for feeling like a fraud. Because all that time I wanted to be more feminine and it was dangerous and there were gay bashers out. And if you could have saw some of these weapons that these dudes would carry, they'd be baseball bats with nails in them. You know, I'm not talking about just guys beating somebody up. I mean, they were beating queer people to death in subway stations, on street corners, in alleys, to death in the middle of a bar, in a bathroom, in the club. It was dangerous. And it's really not less dangerous now. It's just a lot more hidden. And the danger comes in the form of a social death. You know, I can't tell you how many jobs I probably didn't get because I was wearing eyeliner and eyeshadow. Um, I've been turned down for an apartment, um, which, you know, I, I, one guy said to me, um, no, 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 no smokers, no, no gays. <laughs> and this was in a Facebook messenger, like I have receipts. And this guy just openly was like, no, no, no gays, no smokers. <laughs> And, um, but it, none of it matters. Like I'm not, I am not scared of how hard society is going to be on queer people in the next 10 years. I am not scared in the least. You know why? Because every fucking day that I leave my house, there is a threat of violence. I mean, y'all don't know how many times I have taken a deep breath on a Friday night, left out of here, gotten an Uber and gone to a party or a friend's house or a bar or a club or wherever and had to walk through downtown Albuquerque knowing 
full well how much machismo is in Albuquerque in the Southwest period, um, how much Catholicism there is, how much um, pent-up male aggression. Every day that I leave my house, I'm scared for the first half an hour. And then I, I equate it to, I don't know, it's, it's not, no, no, it's not really the same thing. Um, I seem to, it's like being a kid and going to school in the morning and the bully says to you in the morning, I'm kicking your ass at three o'clock. And you're scared for like the first hour, but something happens and you see your friends and then somewhere around 11 a.m. you're fucking laughing and you're sitting at lunch with your friends and laughing about it. And then you see the bully and the fear comes back and it lasts for like another half an hour or 15 minutes. And your friend's like, dude, don't worry about it. Come on, man, let's just get to class. And then you forget about it again. And then three o'clock comes and you deal with it because you have to deal with it, you know, however you deal with it or don't. But three o'clock comes, that's, that's when you have to worry about it. I am like that when I leave the house. I'm like, fuck. It could happen at any moment, not just three o'clock. It's like society is the bully and society is saying, when you leave the house, I'm going to kill you. But they're not specific what day it is. That's how I feel. And I walk around afraid for about a half an hour. And then I'll worry about it when the time comes. Until then, I'm just going to keep going. You know what I mean? Like, the freedom to be out of the gender binary, y'all, is amazing. To not be expected to act a certain way anymore. Like, I have disappointed all the gender binary enthusiasts. So now that they're all disappointed, they have nothing to say to me, which is great. I love it. Thank you. Leave me alone. But when I get in my live and they get to hide behind the keyboard with their little keyboard warrior selves and they think they can say these things to me and they think they're going to see the expression of my face break and it doesn't. It doesn't. I get on some Jill Scott and be like, hate on me, hater, now or later. And it is a joy. Now, granted, none of this pays my bills. But it is a form of self-care to be sincerely me. To be true to myself and to be unapologetic about loving who I am in public. That's been the hard part. For a lot of reasons, I struggled with childhood trauma and self-love. You know, my mother had said a lot of horrible things to me over the years. And... I was always trying to impress my mother and other people who didn't have high opinions of me. I worked very hard to impress them. And writing the memoir, a lot of this came up about how afraid I was to be who I truly was because my mother despised everything queer. She just shook her head and sucked her teeth and, ugh, you know, was completely disgusted by the whole thing. I 
And that's where I lived. I lived in a house where the bullets came from my mother's own mouth. Some random person on a live telling me that bullets have gotten expensive, but it would be worth it just this one last time is nothing compared to the woman that brought you into this world telling you that she will disown you if you try any of that faggot shit. There was a time when she apologized later in life, and I kind of discounted it because she was on her deathbed. Of course, she's going to apologize now. But a part of me still really believes that my mother is sorry for the way that she felt and the things that she did. She just didn't know any other way. And I've tried to hold on to that. I miss my mom. I really do. Because even though my mom was severely homophobic, she was also the first and last person every day to tell me don't take shit from anybody. And there were some times when I was especially feminine and my mother kind of caved, you know, and let it happen. Concerts I went to with eyeliner on or, you know, just little things. Blow drying my hair out, putting blonde in it. Like my mother was like, oh, God, he's such a girl. He's such a girl. He's in a mirror more than girls. And that, that gender binary didn't cage me. It caged her. She was the one trapped in the gender binary, not me. And that's the way I feel now. When people are angry at my existence, my coming out of the house dressed this way is freeing them. It ain't freeing me no more. I'm free. The first time I put on eyeshadow, the doors opened. The cell doors unlocked. The walls crumbled like Jericho. I was me. Nothing else mattered anymore. It is the person who can't stand my existence who is still trapped. And if I, in a form of people-pleasing, stopped my femininity from being expressed, nobody wins. There is no winner. It looks like the conservatives win. It looks like the Republicans win. It looks like the evangelicals win. But the truth is, the only people that win are the capitalists because I'm still towing the line. I am so tired of trying to please people who no matter what I say will not be pleased. They're not going to be pleased until I am completely disciplined back into the gender binary and, you know, being obedient. And I'm just going to keep disappointing them. Yeah, I'm going to keep disappointing a lot of people. This feeling of freedom comes with that price of violence. This going against the grain is not the easiest road to take. And it's it's not over. Like once I decided to express my femininity, it wasn't like we just wipe our hands, you know, and we're good now. Because now I'm unpacking my own colonized mind. Why am I so afraid in the morning? Why? Because there's a part of me that still thinks it's wrong.
My inner homophobia still exists. And as I'm putting on eyeshadow, there's a voice in my head going, you know people are going to say some shit to you, right? You know you can get hurt for walking out the house like this, right? Yeah. Yeah, I know. And I'm going to do it anyway. Y'all have a good day.